0: This is the Cash Value Solutions Podcast, where your hosts, Jason Pohlmeyer and Kyle Mann, shed light on little-known money truths to help you take control of your financial future and become your own banker. Subscribe, rate, and review the show, and check us out at CashValueSolutions.com. Hey, everyone.
1: Welcome back to the Cash Value Solutions Podcast this week. Kyle and I are to the end of our Becoming Your Own Banker review, but we want to do a, uh, a recap, so to speak. So you want to get us started, Kyle?
0: Yeah, we're back in page 85. Uh, Going to go over the points to consider, which is pretty much just a synopsis of what was discussed in the book. So to start off, he talks about there are only two sources of income, people at work and money at work. And through this point, he talks about how um, back in the day, there were, the man worked and the woman took care of the family. And now times have changed, and both parents seem to have to work. And he's wondering if part of the reason is because their money's not at work. They don't have any money at work. Everything's getting
1: spent. There is no discipline to save money, whether that wherever that is. Mm-hmm. Whether it's in a savings account, a life insurance policy, a qualified plan, something.
0: There's nothing left to work for them.
1: Right. That has a lot to do with discipline, doesn't it? Yep. I mean, that's... At the end of the day, if you want to get ahead in life, you're going to have to save some money. And you can use that money then to purchase assets that put money back in your pocket. And you can control that by putting your money somewhere that you aren't subject to penalties, taxes, fees, Mm -hmm.
0: and everything else. Yeah, and he's not going to say that, oh, it's bad to want to work either, you know, for both parents to want to work. But he's just saying, you know, have the choice. Right. Don't be forced. Yeah. Have the discipline to give yourself... The choice. The freedom.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that's, I mean, so money at work, you know, not only can like you have money in a savings account or CD that's like earning interest, but you can use that money to
0: purchase assets and have those assets working for you. Yeah. And he's, I mean, he's definitely talking about life insurance policies here too, money at work, but he's also, you know, talking about what you're purchasing with those with that life insurance contract. Yeah.
1: And I completely agree. I mean, the way I see it is I can stockpile, accumulate in my warehouse of wealth, my life insurance policy until I have a place where I'm ready to deploy that money. Yep. And at least it's working for me. It's it's doing something and it's providing me and my family death benefit if something would happen to me. Mhm. Plus it it's just an awesome the 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 benefits of it are just to me it's it's crazy how much benefit there is and yet people get so caught up in well you know my my four hundred one k or my ira you know this this
0: offers me this you know does life insurance do that and blah 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 <laughs> yeah he goes on to talk about the qualified plans later so we can we can hate on those a little later <laughs> okay I'll slow down <laughs> but. The next thing he brings up is if you knew at passive income time and that you would be getting back everything that you paid into a system tax-free, would you object to putting more money in it? Not
1: only can you access the money that you paid taxes on by withdrawing money from the policy, you can access the growth of the policy. If you've done things correctly, it's been set up correctly, you've used it correctly, you, haven't, um, you don't have an outstanding loan, and let the policy lapse. You know, you haven't paid in more than the MEC limit. You can access the gains as well through policy loans without paying tax on them.
0: Exactly. That seems pretty good to me. I don't know who can hate on a system like that.
1: What are what are the two biggest eroders of wealth? Just to review this with our listeners, Kyle.
0: Uh, number one would probably be taxes and a short second would be lost opportunity costs.
1: Absolutely. And, and if we can eliminate those at any point in time in our lives,
0: we are Taking big steps to get ahead. Eliminate or even just limit, you know? Yeah, exactly. Because how many people are doing that? Not many. Not many. Um, how many know what lo- uh, lost opportunity cost is? Not many. <laughs>
1: Before I knew about the infinite banking concept, I'm not sure that I really had a good grasp on it. I didn't either. Um, And, and okay, so people will think, well, you know, I only have a hundred bucks, you know, and that's taxable. You know, big deal if, get a little bit of interest on that. Okay, wait until you have a million, two million, five million, ten million dollars in a in an account and it's taxable. Yeah. You'll start to think differently about taxation then. Exactly. Those are gonna be some really, really big numbers. <laughs> and I bring up those because these policies get
0: big in the, the future. Then those taxationist theft guys don't seem so crazy.
1: No, they don't. But when you're I, I don't even know how the right way to approach it. It's just the more money you have and the more that they take, the more your eyes are open to it. I mean, you're, you're in a farming business, Kyle, and you're in a, a low tax bracket, 12%. But if you look at it by volume they're you're paying way more tax than 12%. Oh yeah. Year.
0: Over double that.
1: I mean, it it's, if you really start to look at these things, it, it's more than it is on the surface.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like being a business owner, You're fortunate to be able to kind of choose what tax bracket you're in. I mean, just because I'm in the 12% tax bracket doesn't mean that that's, you know, all that I made and that that's, you know, being involved in business, owning something gives you the also that opportunity of getting some tax advantages. Absolutely. I mean,
1: if you're like, in your case, if your farmer ranch needs something, you know, whether that's a tractor, a UTV, uh, a pickup some piece of equipment, you know, it actually needs that, but you can write off some of that stuff to help you on your taxes. Yeah. Um, but it's just the the point that I want to get across is it may seem like you're only in a 12% tax bracket federally, but it is a lot more than that by volume if you look at how much money you actually made.
0: Yeah, because that doesn't include your state income tax if your state has one. doesn't include self-employment tax if you have one or payroll taxes or... What else am I missing? I don't... Well, I think that's a pretty
1: good list. I don't think we need to... (laughs) We aren't tax experts. We don't have to list everything, but... Yeah. I mean, just be aware of those things, you know? And start planning now for the future.
0: And don't be avoiding all the taxes possible because you're going to have a snowball at some point.
1: Yeah. Don't, Don't try to cheat. Don't try to just push things away from you forever. Try to minimize the taxation that you have to pay in the future. Don't defer. Just minimize it as much as you possibly can.
0: By choosing things that allow you to minimize. Absolutely. And by choo- choosing business ventures that allow you to minimize.
1: And is is IBC a business venture? Yes. Absolutely.
0: Banking is a business.
1: Banking is a business, and it is probably the oldest business that has ever existed. Yeah. Because without banking, without transfer of value, whether it's, whether it's U.S. dollars or euros, or whether it was bartering, you know? Without transfer of value, nothing happens.
0: Yeah, how would they have financed whatever the first business was without some sort of banking?
1: Right. I mean, it. it's fundamental. And it's why somebody is going to perform it in your life. That person should be you. If it's not you, somebody else is performing it and profiting from it. They
0: aren't going to do it for free. No. Nope. So, <clears throat> Should we move on, Kyle? Yeah. Next up, he talks about how we're conditioned to get our paycheck, put it all in somebody else's bank, put it in their control. He's like, so why not build your own bank and start putting all your money in that and write checks out of that? As in, start your whole life policy, get a cash value built up, then get a checking account somewhere. And deposit those cash values in that checking account. Start funding your business ventures. Yes. Start paying for your vehicles.
1: Instead of permanently transferring money away from you. Okay, if I deposit money in uh, in my checking account in Lawrence, Nebraska, and I write a check to pay for some cattle feed, that is a permanent transfer of money away from me. Money that I will never see again. Mm-hmm. But if you create a system where you're in control, you can start to bring those payments back to yourself. Yeah. Kyle and I, I mean, this this is so simple, you know, the the fact of controlling the flow of money, but people get so lost in the concept of life insurance. Um, but that's, that's just not what infinite banking
0: is about. Absolutely not. And he also says in here, which is highly controversial in the infinite banking world, that um, your premiums paid every year should eventually equal your annual income. I will just say that doesn't mean
1: that the checks that you write to the life insurance company as premium equals, um, equals your income. Okay. Nelson was including premium that you pay. He was including loan payments and he was also including dividends that the policies pay. Why was he including dividends? Because the best way to utilize the dividend option in whole life insurance is to purchase paid up additional life insurance. That's premium into your life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. So that's three things dividends, loan repayments, and premium payments. Premium payments as in going to like your base premium, your paid up additions premium. Exactly. So it is controversial, but that's that's what Nelson was was getting across. And when you start thinking about it like that, it's like, oh, you know, that does
0: make sense. Exactly. Yeah. You know, bringing
1: all those flowing that money back to the, your banking system.
0: And he also says how it's so important that you teach the next generation about self-banking to keep this going on throughout the family's generations. I don't understand why money and finance
1: is is like a taboo subject. Yeah. It makes no sense to me. It's... I understand that there's some private things about it, but you can talk about fundamentals And I mean, would it be a bad thing? Like if you purchase a vehicle and you have an eight-year-old or a 10-year-old or 12 or whatever age your child is to just explain to them how that worked. And then maybe they can, um, maybe they have a policy that you've, you've started for them and they want to purchase their first vehicle or, or maybe they're purchasing some cattle. That would be even better, you know, instead of purchasing a liability, purchase an asset first, but teach them how to start repaying that then. Get yeah. money flowing back to them. How banking actually works. Mm-hmm. Important stuff. I mean, if exactly. you, I guess I think about it like this: If I'm going to work my whole life, you know, and and build this business, and and I'm also I'm very passionate about farming and ranching. I want somebody to pass that on to, and I want to be instilling all the knowledge that I that I've learned to them. You know, I don't want to have them start from zero.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: I mean. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, Kyle, but I think about, I mean, it wasn't that long ago, but when I was in high school and, you know, you just kind of think, oh, I graduated, all I have left is college, you know, and then I'm done, you know, I don't have to learn anything else, blah, blah, blah. Man, I've I've learned more in the last 10 years than I have in all that time.
0: Mm -hmm. I've learned more in the last four years (laughs) than I had in all that time, probably. It's
1: cool because you're actually learning about stuff you care about and you want to learn about it,
0: it makes it fun and easy. And stuff that's moving the needle forward. Yeah, absolutely. So the next thing that Nelson goes on to talk about here is when the government creates a problem like honors taxation, they then bring in the solution, which are qualified plans, shouldn't be a little suspect of that. Because the whole root of the problem is the high taxation. Why not eliminate that? And that would help everyone, right? So, what we got to think of? What is the motive behind these qualified plans? Is are they right for us? Do they move the needle forward for us in what we're trying to do? Are they really trying to give us a break too? Yeah. Is the
1: government really trying to? If they were, wouldn't they eliminate taxation?
0: Yeah, and there's only one of the qualified plans. There's only one that really gives you a tax break, and that is the Roth IRA. It grows tax um, and four hundred and one k, but. Roth, Roth 401k. Okay, the okay, the Roth the Roth, yeah, Roth 401k Roth IRA. They grow um tax-free right now. But um like the 401k IRA, you're just you're paying tax on that. I I've heard people say, "Oh, you don't have to pay tax." No, you need to get it through your head. You're paying tax on that whether it's today or it's in the future. There's you're not getting out of that without paying tax on it.
1: Okay, and Kyle, um do you want to Put money away somewhere your whole life. Um, I'm 28 years old today. I wouldn't be able to touch that money until I'm 59 and a half without penalty, except for some very minor exceptions. Do I? Would you want to put money away in something that you can't t- even touch for, it for 30 that years? Long? It
0: makes it Makes no sense. That's why I never did one. I've like I always thought it was the like you hear people say it's the right thing to do, and I could never bring myself to do it. I talked to people about it. Could never do. It's like, why would I give somebody else control of my money for that long when they're just you know using a shotgun approach? Oh yeah, put it in this mutual fund. Put it in this mutual fund. We know what we're doing. You're taking all the risk. Yeah.
1: You're accruing all the fees for management of that, incurring any penalties,
0: and then you have to pay taxes on it at the end of it. But you're going to miss out on 8% return on the market. I don't care. That does not allow me to work for myself. That does not allow me to choose things I want to do. That does not give me freedom having that sitting there. I mean, can it help somebody? I'm not saying it can't, but it's not helping you until you're 59. You're not getting any benefit of that until you're 59, unless you do some of the loan thing, but still you're interrupting um growth if there is any. So I, I just don't see how they make sense. I am definitely not a fan. Okay. And so that's just from now until we're
1: 59 and a half. Now between 59 and a half and 72 we don't have penalized access but we still have to pay taxes on the money when we take it out. Yep, and you're you have a required distribution that you have to take out of those. At 72, yeah. Okay. If okay, we 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 often talk about how uh, life insurance it gets more and more efficient the older we get. Mhm. Okay. If you and this is something that's just crazy to me, Is people put this money in these plans, and then at age 72, they have to start taking these distributions, whether the account is is as big as they wanted it to be or not. You know, I'm not disputing that, but they have to start taking distributions. And then they're looking for a place to put this money. They don't want all that risk of the market anymore. They can't earn anything in CDs or bank savings accounts. And a lot of times they're putting the money in life insurance after they take these distributions. It's like, why didn't we just start there in the first place? You could have had use of the money the entire time, mm-hmm. and you have a policy that is only getting more efficient the older you get. Yep. Instead, we have to start from scratch because we didn't choose the best place to put our money.
0: And they're not great for um, the next generation either. For when you, If you leave an IRA or a 401k to the next generation, they have to deplete that whole account within 10 years now.
1: Yeah, there's... Um, I think there's an exception for that for if you have a a special needs child I believe but yeah aside from that there is no stretch thing anymore. No, they want their taxes and they want them now. Absolutely. I I I'm with you Kyle. I just can't see even a Roth. You're giving up control for such a long amount of time. And like we said over and over again, that that return you get in the market is tiny compared to what you can produce
0: by yourself. Mhm. It's tiny. Or if you don't want to be an investor or a business owner, um, well, I guess you kind of have to be an investor. You have to do something. Otherwise, that maybe that's where the qualified plan does does work. If you don't it's want better to, than doing nothing, you're saying. If you don't, yeah. If you don't want to invest, if you don't want to be a business owner, maybe that and you're not going to do life insurance. You know what? Maybe that's maybe that that's the last thing that's better than just sitting on your money in the coffee can. Yep. So, I think we got that one. <laughs> so, <laughs> we talk about that stuff a lot. Yeah. Um, so, his next point here. Wealth has to reside somewhere. Where would you prefer to have it reside? And he ha- uses a couple examples. In his first example, he uses real estate. So, buildings, houses, what have you, land.
1: And, I, and I'll and i say right here. Now, I don't think that Nelson is, is talking badly about real estate. No. And, and that you shouldn't own it. What Nelson... I think is saying is that if if you have money in real estate it's not liquid exactly you have to go get a loan against it okay mm-hmm. if the if the market is crashing that doesn't happen often but if it is
0: you're it's going to be really hard to get a loan on that or sell it at that point in time you're taking a big loss and that, that's his next point is a stock market i mean it's it's more liquid but you don't know when you're if when you need the money you don't know if it's going to be up or down
1: yeah, and have you have you educated yourself? Do you have any idea about it or are you just throwing some money in there? Exactly, yeah. I mean that that comes back to again what we talk about all the time. Educate yourself about whatever it is you're interested in. We have no problem with the stock market. What what we have problems with is when people just blindly turn eyes to things and do it without
0: ever educating themselves at all. Yeah, people think because you have CFP behind your name or they you know, you call yourself a financial advisor that you magically know all the stock market picks and they're just okay. I know better
1: know. what to do with your money than you do.
0: And you really need to second guess that. You need to second guess us too until you, like, you need to work with people and learn, you know, if you're a good fit with them, if you like their style, if you think they know what you're doing and you need to be educated so that you're not getting screwed by somebody. You also need to be educated so
1: you can see through because everybody is going to have their opinion and not all opinions are right. You need to be educated so you can see through what's true and what isn't or what aligns with your ideals and stuff. I mean, there's just, you can't do that without educating yourself.
0: And are they living their life how they're telling you how to live yours? Are they saving money the way they're telling you to save money? Are they putting it in the stock market like they're telling you to do? You know, things like that. Like, Oh, if you're going to somebody for an IBC policy, are they practicing IBC? Are they actually paying premium? Like, are they are they are they putting a good portion of their income in premium? I mean, I think that's important. Have skin in the game. Absolutely. I mean, that just speaks to
1: whether you believe in the system that you're doing or not. And if you don't even believe in the system you're doing, what are you doing? Exactly. <laughs> so. And then the last thing Nelson mentions is free contract with other free persons. And he's just talking about life insurance from this point of residence for your wealth. You can do almost anything that your mind can imagine. Hence the infinite banking concept.
0: Yeah. So. All right. Point six, you finance everything you buy, you either pay interest to someone else or you give up interest. You could have earned elsewhere. There are no exceptions. This is something you hear us commonly um, say. The biggest thing that I want to emphasize here is,
1: um, I know a lot, of, well, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but several people that they're uneasy with the fact of, of paying interest back to the insurance company, because it doesn't go to you when you take a policy loan out, it goes to the insurance company. You just got to educate yourself more. In my opinion, you have to understand what's going on out there. You have to understand the play of banking.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's a mental hurdle that needs to be overcome. Yep. So now we'll move on to his seventh and final point here. Your need for finance during your lifetime exceeds your need for life insurance protection. That is
1: fundamental to understanding what the infinite banking concept is about. Absolutely. This is not about getting tens of millions of dollars of death benefit protection on yourself. This is about... Building a pool of money so you can control the banking function in your
0: life. But that will happen. I mean, if you fully understand the concept and you use it, you're going to have way more death benefit than you ever thought possible, imaginable, or that you needed. Absolutely. But I mean, it.
1: yeah, absolutely. It, this, this is just about building up money in a place for you to have control so you can finance everything that you do in your life. You may not get there
0: in your lifetime even. You're also buying net worth, though, too. Yeah. You're buying net worth that's getting passed down to generations. That's also huge. For, what, 40 cents on the dollar, maybe? Depending maybe, on your age. I mean, yeah, you start, like, in our age, when you start, I mean, you're looking at a lot less than 40 cents.
1: Yeah. It's it's so powerful. Um, I just, I can't even, it's so hard to describe the power of this. You just have to start researching it and building your own knowledge of it and eventually you just keep your eyes open to more and more that you can do with it. And I, if you can get off the rate of return mindset, not that that isn't something that you should look at, it is. But if you can get off of that mindset and start looking at what you can do with, with policy loans, with, by financing things, by being in control, it is incredible
0: the, the power that life insurance has. Yeah, Nelson says that infinite banking is caught, not taught. You, we cannot force you to like infinite banking. We cannot go out there and just knock on your door and get you to, oh, get so excited about the, the concept. You know, we can bring exposure to that, but it's up to you to dive through it and see if it's something you want and then understand the power of it. What is the title of the book? It's Becoming Your Own Banker. It's not Jason and Kyle Becoming Your Banker. It's
1: Your Own Banker. Yes. I mean, that is, like Kyle has said many times, like you have to want this. You have to want to learn about it on your own. And then at that point in time, it, it, it just becomes clear how much sense this makes. Mm-hmm. But that's on you guys. We're here to spread the message about Becoming Your Own Banker. And, and and help do you what implement it. We can it. help you implement it. Absolutely, um, but I mean, it's powerful, and we hope that you guys think so too. Um, that's everything we have for the book review.
0: Yeah. So we don't know if we'll do another book review at this time. So we'll just kind of see what happens. But
1: yeah, I mean, this book is. I mean, it's the Bible of IBC, and there's a lot of questions that come from it after somebody reads it. Kyle and I put this together because this is a, this is a place where you can come, you can check out any of these chapters. They're very short. You can read it, go check out our podcast, see what our thoughts are about it. Um, we go into detail on all of it, our thoughts. And, and when Nelson shows some illustrations, I know that people really like to look at that. That's not where you start, but we also, you know, we cover how that stuff works and stuff to to try and help you guys understand what's going on.
0: Yeah, and you're not going to get everything through one reading. It's, you know, multiple readings over multiple years. Yeah, you're always learning. Exactly. You should be anyways. So, yeah. But yeah, I think that kind of wraps this up for this week.
1: Yeah, if you guys have um, a topic you'd want us to discuss um, or anything you want us to uh, to answer, you know, We can do that by email or we can answer stuff on the podcast for people too. So everybody can benefit from it. So don't hesitate to to send out questions for us as well. All right. Yep. We'll see you
0: guys next week. Thank you. This was the Cash Value Solutions Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Check us out at cashvaluesolutions.com. And don't forget to tune in next week.